0: I really think that the future is real bright for golf and we were fortunate enough to get acquired by immigrant capital out of New York about three years ago and and Mr. Milstein heads up that group. They just last week, they announced the acquisition of golf.com and golf magazine and Mr. Milstein is investing heavily in the golf space I mean, he really, really believes that it's really undervalued right now and that this is indeed a great game and it's all these little things that help people get to that learning curve a little more quickly. If you get past that start, you just get hooked. Start breaking a hundred. Start breaking whatever that goal is for you, and where you're really truly having fun out there. There is no reason that you won't play this game until you literally can't walk anymore, and that's what I plan on doing. I'm incredibly excited about the golf future.
1: Welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the influencers, disruptors, entrepreneurs, and innovators who are shaping the future of golf. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today my guest is Pete Charleston, who is the co-founder and president of Golf Logics. Founded in 1999, GolfLogix is the world leader in golf GPS technology. Was the first to introduce handheld GPS to the golf industry and holds a patent on wireless golf GPS. Golf Logics has been professionally mapping golf courses for over 12 years and is the largest, most up-to-date golf course database in the world. Pete, thanks so much for joining me today on the Mod Golf Podcast. Ah, uh, thank you for having me, Colin. Hey, my pleasure. Looking forward to this. So I was at the PGA show in Orlando a couple weeks ago when I ran past your Golf Logics booth on the exhibitor floor at least a half a dozen times going from meeting to meeting. I do regret not stopping by because you guys were creating quite the buzz over your newest innovative product, Putt Break Maps, which I'm excited to learn more about. So Pete... First of all, thanks for reaching out to the Mod Golf Podcast so we can talk about the innovative technologies you're building here. So yeah, let's start with hearing about who you are, your connection to golf, and your entrepreneurial journey that has led to the aha moment for golf logics. Well, I was not a
0: golfer. So back in 98, 99,
1: I kind of started playing
0: a little bit. I was a basketball player in college and I'm a taller guy, 6'5", and golf was never on my radar. And I moved down to Arizona, moved to business down here, and a lot of people play down here. And they got me out. Wow, this, is, this is kind of fun. And oh, man, this is really hard. And it was frustrating because it was truly the only sport that I didn't just pick up right away and go, oh, all right, got it. And I got hooked and a few of us, two other partners, started this golf logics and came up with this concept. Originally it was how come you can't track how far you hit the ball and, and plan your round and suggest what clubs I should hit based on the distances that I hit my clubs. And we put a patent out there and formed golf logics and got this thing started way back in, in nineteen ninety nine.
1: So that was, uh, yeah, gosh, almost 20 years ago now. So looking at this as, as an entrepreneur, that's kind of that startup moment here. So what was the pure problem or pain point that you saw? You did touch on a little bit there that you really saw. You can see that you cracked the nut on here with what you were creating first out of the gate with Golf Logics. Well, I didn't know what I was doing. So I was just learning how to play the game. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <and> I, I, <laughs> That's so honest. I love that. And I, it's kind of like me. I say ignorance is my superpower. If I actually knew beforehand how, what I was getting into, I probably wouldn't have tried in the first place. So, uh, yeah. so keep going. I love that. It's okay. So you didn't know what you're doing. So where did you go from there? Yeah, I got out there and I'm like, God,
0: you know, what club? I kept asking one of the guys that I played with was a pretty good golfer. He was a five or six. And I kept going, what club do I hit? What club do I hit? And frustrated that you didn't have any kind of a tool, specifically a digital tool to help you learn the game faster and give you feedback based on what you actually do in the golf course
1: so it's very interesting over the 20 year span one thing i love about golf logic so far is you haven't just created one thing and just hope that it hits you guys have progressively experimented and innovated over the last couple of decades so let's bring that fast forward then please fill in the gaps uh, along the way if you care to but tell us about putt break maps tell us about what you've created there because that was really creating a stir at the show and that you've got some interesting things going on there so tell us about that pete
0: Sure, Colin, was you saw at the show, our booth was absolutely slammed. And, you know, I feel like we were one of the truly innovative new products that were at the PGA show this year. And we created this product called Put Breaks, which sits within the Golf Logics app. And about two years ago, we saw the PGA Tour players using this thing on TV and we're like, my partner and i are watching this what the heck is this and did some more research and realized that they had these things called green books and they were the contours of every green on every course they play on the tour and as we started doing our research we realized that 80 plus percent of the PJ tour golfers are now using these green books to either help read their putts or to confirm that they got their reads right before they put and we're like god why can't we do this for the amateurs and short <laughs> two years ago, we were able to get this thing moving. And we, we like you said, we launched at the PJ show this year.
1: Nice. Now, we've had a previous conversation. One of the things I really admire about you, this is not easy to do because you just can't go buy this database from somewhere else. You guys, as part of your team and part of your service offering, you have to physically go out and if I get this right, you have to laser shoot each green of the courses that you're at. So that is part of your barrier to entry against competition too, because you have that as a database. Did I get that right? Is that what you guys have to do to go out there to create that database?
0: Exactly. It's it's an incredibly time-consuming project to get all this 3D green data on every course and every green on every Course out there. And it's also, as I discussed previously, there's subjectivity involved as well. We actually have to look at every green on every course that we map and make sure everything looks and flows as it should to give the golfers the best read for their putt.
1: I know it's a a tricky thing to do here on a podcast to use words to describe something that is so visual, but can you describe that? Let's call it the player journey. Let's say myself. It's the first time I actually have it and I'm playing the first hole. It's not just the green, but also my ability to actually make a selection, a more intelligent, informed selection with my approach shot. Is that correct? So maybe run it through with. Let's say I've just loaded up the app and I'm using it for the first time. So run through the journey for me, please, will you?
0: Well, the beauty, if you've had any experience with Golf Logics in the past, which we've had over four million downloads of Golf Logics, and we've embedded it within our app. So on the tee box, you're able to see touch point distances to the left bunker, over the left bunker, to the dog leg, whatever. So you're standing the tee, you get this information, but now as you walk or drive down the fairway, the approach view automatically pops up. So let's say you're 175 yards out, you haven't played this course before, you look out at this hole, okay, yeah, it looks like the pin's back left. For the first time ever, you're actually able to see what the green does. You're able to see contours and some slight arrows on the greens that show you what is happening up there. On your approach, you can plan a better approach shot. For instance, if the pin's back left and now you're actually able to see, oh man, the green actually falls off severely just past the pin, I need to be really careful. And if I hit a really good shot, I don't want to have a situation where I roll off the back of the green and I've left myself with a very tough chip or pitch up the hill.
1: Gotcha. So, so I understand this also, Pete. With the GPS capability, once I, let's say I'm, I have a 28-foot putt left at a certain part of the green. Will it know where the pin actually is and where my ball is? Do I have to put in any information so that is calibrated?
0: Stands right now, it's very simple. You, once you've gone through this approach mode, you hit your approach. And then when you walk up to the green, it automatically defaults to the green and basically says it's time to putt. And you simply, just with your finger, you've got this nice full screen image of the green. You drag the pin to where it is. You drag the cup to where it is or the the cup and the ball. And it actually says basically read my putt. It rotates the view and then shows you exactly what your putt's going to do from behind your ball. So now with certainty, you're going to know the putt's going left going right or it's going uphill or downhill we're trying to take that darn guesswork out of the game with respect to green reading
1: right I will say you've done a nice job with the user interface and the in the graphical interface also because that's a lot of information there but you do it in a very elegant way so congratulations on that I, I will by the way for our listeners here in the show notes I will put links to not only your website but also to some YouTube videos so they can see firsthand what it is you've created there well I want to switch gears a little bit here, Pete. Can you tell us a bit about the company culture you have there with Golf Logics, both the the team you have, not only at the management level, but also with the technology and innovation side to experiment? Because obviously you guys have this thirst for curiosity and always innovating from what you're actually creating. So can you tell us a bit about the company culture there at Golf Logics? Sure, we've got a
0: really fun, young, aggressive more of a tech culture here, and we've been really fortunate. Most of our employees have been here for a long time, and as we've grown, as we've pivoted, changed, moved our business model in different directions, we've been able to find places for all these different people to explore different avenues in their careers, and it's really, really low-key here. We've got a new office that we moved into about six months ago in, in the heart of Old Town, Scottsdale. For those of you who've been to Scottsdale, we're literally right in the middle of all the bars and restaurants, and it's great. Everybody can now walk to work, walk to restaurants. We've got little cruiser bikes for everybody to to ride around town, and and we actually have a full golf simulator, a full swing golf simulator right in our office, so many of our employees are up, and in between projects, they're up hitting balls on the sim, and it's a really fun culture here.
1: Sounds awesome. I think I'm going to check your website to see if there's any job openings there, so I'll apply. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Sounds really good to ask you, because you've obviously been in the, the entrepreneurial game for a while, and you guys certainly are not a startup, even though it sounds like you still have that startup culture to kind of keep things fresh there, which is important. And you've probably seen also, Pete, some companies kind of get away from that once they become more mature as an organization. It sounds like you guys have that vibrant curiosity still alive there, which is great. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on how can I put this? It takes a village to actually build something like this. You can't do it on your own. So I'd like to hear over the years, the partnerships that you've had, or even the mentors that you've had that have helped you along the way personally, and also helped the company with the partnerships to get to that next level to propel you forward. Sure. We've had a lot of
0: great partners along the way. And we were the first company to launch a handheld GPS device in the golf space, and we partnered with Garmin. We tried to build a device on our own and realized back in 1999, 2000, that there just weren't a lot of choices out there, and, and we found Garmin launched with this eTrex device. And we ended up contacting them, developed a relationship there, and we ended up writing all of the golf software for a handheld GPS device, which we sold direct to the golf course. We brought in a lot of different investors, generally fifty, hundred thousand dollars dollars at a time. So it was like block and tackle hardcore fundraising, which, which I actually enjoy. And what was crazy is we got all this, we got it to market, we put it out in the golf courses, and the first product we launched with actually had all, like a full kiosk at the golf course. And you actually checked out the device and it was personalized and you went out and played and logged and tracked, you know, all your shots. And at the end of the round, you plug this device in and it printed out a three-page color printout of each hole where you landed, what club you hit, how far you hit each shot, your average distance for your clubs, your longest of the day, It was so amazing, but we realized that we were way too ahead of our time. And most people were like, whoa, this is too much work out in the golf course. I like the data, but I'm not willing to spend the time out there. So we had to pivot and we scratched all this great stuff we put together and we gave people simple GPS to the front, middle, back of the green and carry distances. So it was a a huge learning experience there early on in our start.
1: And I know also myself as an entrepreneur, you put things out there that you find out after testing them for a while that you are two, three, five years ahead of where, even with, let's say, the technology is or capacity or big data, or even more so with the appetite for customers. So it sounds like you had to dial it back, almost go back to that lean startup methodology and offer the key features because everything else was performance oversupply, I guess is a way to say it, for that particular time. And then you had to slowly roll those out when the market was ready for them. Would that be fair to say?
0: Oh, very fair. And we had to work within the confines of this device that was already out there and its functional capabilities which was a challenge to make it easy and there there weren't touch screens back then like that we all have now yeah. working with these buttons on the sides and the front we had to make them work within our product so it was it was quite fascinating and then the usga and R&A changes our stance on electronic measuring devices in january of '06. so before that we just sold direct to the golf course either on a purchase or lease type of program and they would hand them out to their golfers and SkyCaddy was selling their device via Palm and then their first kind of SG2 and some of those devices directly to retail. So when the USG and RNA changed that stance, we're like, boom, went back to our shareholder and said, hey, we've got a great opportunity. Let's get off the course and let's go sell direct to retail and sell the consumers. So we raised a bunch more money, got out there, immediately started mapping all these courses. And we were able to launch and had a very successful launch in two thousand seven and two thousand eight to all the consumers out there through green grass golf courses, through Tech sporting goods, golf galaxy, you know, all the different sporting goods stores out there.
1: So you found going that consumer play going business to business was definitely the route to go there rather than directly to consumer one at a time.
0: Oh it was Huge. I mean, it was such a major pivot point in our product life cycle, and we raised a tremendous amount more money. I mean, in 2008, we contracted with Costas and McCord. The they did our infomercial. It was one of the most successful infomercials of its time, back when they used to let you run those 30-minute infomercials. And we we had our foot on the gas pedal and right, right. It, it was almost like you know, pardon me saying this, but it was almost like you're hooked on crack. You you ran an episode and you literally saw these downloads or the orders coming in online and then we actually had telesales eight hundred call and it would sometimes you were just hot that day and they were just the orders were pouring in. And the more that happened, you're like, Boom, let's air again this afternoon, let's run it again. It was the most fascinating, I mean, I remember the first day we launched, the first infomercial that went live, it was like 5.05 a.m. or 5.02 a.m. or something like that, <laughs> West Coast time and my partner and I and, and everybody in the company were sitting in front of this TV in our office lobby and like, boom, it starts to air, nothing, crickets, crickets. And then you have like the first upsell offer, a minute number eight. And all of a sudden like, boom, we got an order, we're all cheering, yay. And then it just goes ding, 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 ding. This is unbelievable. And what's crazy is that the more you spend, we did everything on the golf channel, but the more we spent on the golf channel on these infomercials, the more it drove the retail demand because some people didn't want to buy through the 800 line or online. And boom. And not only are we getting all these influx of orders from inbound calls and, and online, but we're getting the retailers calls. We're out. We're out. We need more. Hey, I'm, I want to be a new account. It, it was just a fascinating retail experiment right. and just incredible growth.
1: I love that story. And doing that back in the day, the fact you, it was almost an analog solution compared to what you actually have with targeted marketing and, and social media efforts now that it just set you guys up so nicely. I would think that you've learned all those lessons that for you to then take that and then leverage that into how you go about marketing today to put you so far ahead of the competition of already learning all that stuff, not starting from zero, let's say even two years ago with a, a new up and coming company. So that's like, it's fair to say that you guys really understand something that a lot of, a lot of businesses don't, a lot of startups don't, they're, they're so product focused and they kind of fall in love with the idea rather than falling in love with their customer. And it sounds like what you've told me here that you guys really focused on finding that right customer, that product market fit and that customer fit, and then pushing the gas super hard once you actually found what resonated and just crushed it. <laughs> Is that a fair analysis of what you've done?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, and, and we are we are a company that if we find a vein or a sweet spot or, or something that with our marketing that works, we literally will just absolutely stomp on the gas pedal. Okay, spend, 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 and then we closely monitor all our acquisition costs and our cost per customer, whether it be install or registration, and the minute it starts to get expensive, boom, you back off. And then all of a sudden you find another means to jump in and, Boom, you go at it. Right. It's a cat and mouse game and you've got to really be nimble and, and want to experiment with a lot of different methods to get good success.
1: Absolutely. It sounds like you are definitely keeping your ear to the ground on what your customer acquisition cost is almost in real time and then being very agile to pivot away from that if it's getting too expensive and look at other opportunities.
0: But you have to. I mean, you can get buried really quickly with respect to the customer acquisition cost. And if you're not paying attention, all of a sudden you are paying a fortune to get a new member and you know that it's going to take you, oh, it's going to take me four years to break even on that. That was not good. So yeah, you've got to constantly monitor that.
1: So, hey, you you talked about partnerships before. You talked about your relationship with Garmin that helped propel you forward and and learning a ton from that relationship, too, as far as the technology and a lot of other layers. I want to talk about some other partnerships that you're involved with. I understand that you are a member of the Thunderbirds Charity Group that hosts the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Can you tell me a a bit about that, both personally and professionally, about your involvement with the Thunderbirds?
0: Oh, it's just an honor to be a member of this great group here in Phoenix. It started in 1937. It was more of a kind of a chamber of commerce play that just really evolved year after year after year I've been fortunate enough to be involved this is my 10th year this year for this this last record-breaking open I might might mention we, we did over 700,000 fans came to, to see our event over the course of the week it was perfect weather 80 degrees every day and there were a lot of
1: smiles. Yeah, I, I was smiling too, but not as much because I was supposed to be down there for that, covering it for the Mod Golf podcast, but something else popped up and I wasn't able to. So I had to sit here in the rain and 50 degrees in Vancouver instead. But I did, I did watch it on TV <laughs> and I have been there before. It is fabulous, the experience there. And I think I mentioned to you, Pete, I did have the 2018 tournament director, Carlos Sugach on the podcast back in November or so. And he was great telling us about all the great things that the Thunderbirds do and, and the innovation that goes on in the tournament. It's fabulous stuff.
0: It's amazing, and Carlos this year did just an incredible job, set every kind of record there was. And these guys, this is a complete volunteer group. And in particular, the tournament chairman essentially takes a sabbatical for a year and run this group of crazy volunteers like us, local business leaders in town. And it's just, I really give a lot of credit to these guys that take that time off of work and give back to the community. I mean, we've been giving 10 million plus a year to local Phoenix children's charities for years now, and you know, and we haven't announced our numbers yet, but I know we broke. Every record this last year, so hopefully we're we're going to announce in the next two, three, four months what we're going to get out for that we did for two thousand eighteen. It, it's really
1: exciting. That's great stuff. So what exactly to actually leave the Phoenix Open here? I'm just curious to, to hear what you actually did volunteer-wise, actually on the ground for the four days. What did they have you doing this year? So how it works is you have 55 active Thunderbirds. And the way the bylaws read,
0: when you after your 45th birthday, you become what's called a life bird. So that's where I am now. I put in my time. I have full-time jobs. that you Generally, there are two-year jobs. You'll be the assistant chairman and the chairman. You know, I ran security. I ran what's called the bird's nest, which is where the crazy concerts are. We have four nights of 10,000-plus people concerts that go on every night, so I I ran... I ran that for a couple of years. I've been there. Yeah. I had a lot of great roles. And now my role is I'm I'm one of the top fundraisers in the group. So I sell a tremendous amount of those luxury boxes and, and all the hospitality suites that that are out there. So I help out there. I volunteer. We walk inside the ropes. We, we volunteer in different venues and just have a presence and help out any way we can.
1: Wow. Do you have a time machine? How do you find that many hours in the day? You make me look like a complete slacker here. I'm, I'm feeling terrible about myself.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. The, the Phoenix open is pure adrenaline you're out there for the whole week and it's like nothing you've ever seen especially when you're working on the on the inside but yeah you come out of that uh, you age a few years after that week
1: (laughs) i'm sure you do so you talked about some of the data there with the numbers and breaking some records there. I'd like to get back to use that as a segue to get back to some data that you are gathering here with Golf Logics and your app. I'm very curious to, uh, to hear your insights on this. I had Arcos Golf on a couple weeks ago. Of course, you may know about them with their hardware into the butt of the club on each one of them that they are able to then track that data for how you're actually hitting each club and improve. So they actually have the data now, I think last year, that the average player improved if they played at least 20 rounds a year of three 3.4 strokes per round. So do you have any data so far of, with putt breaks of people's round, like myself? Am I going to knock a couple strokes off? Eight strokes off? What kind of data do you have on that so far, Pete?
0: We don't have tons of data yet, but we did a tremendous amount of user testing before we launched this product, right? We talked about this user interface and anything frontward facing like this that we're interjecting into someone's routine while they're out there playing golf has to be really simple to use, has to be fast, and it has to be very obvious on what to do. And we did all these user tests over over the course of a year and broke it into kind of different segment and handicap groups so you've got your lower single digit and scratch plus golfers you've got your five six seven to 13 14 15 your mid to, to low handicaps and then you have your 15 plus and I have seen myself I've seen a good three-stroke improvement on average throughout the round and I'm, a, I'm about seven handicapped seven eight in that range our goal is to eliminate the three putt right the evil three putt that's out there and when you step behind your ball And you know with certainty whether the ball is going left or right and it's going uphill or downhill, it's almost indescribable the amount of confidence you have in stepping up and hitting that putt. Right. And more often than not, you're not blowing it past and having that five, six-foot comeback putt and just like, oh, and then all of a sudden you miss it and you get your first three putt and then all of a sudden it happens again and like your round shot and you just, you're like, ah, this damn game. So it's been... You're talking about me. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I will tell you the most fascinating part of the user test was the low handicap. And in the past, over the history of golf, logics we've never really had a great connection with a real low handicap golfer they use generally use lasers unless they were a score or stat tracking freak which we're very good at doing for them yeah we didn't have this great relationship with them with all those 4 million downloads but now we truly have something that can even help these really low handicap golfers and one of the first groups i took out guys up i think he's a plus one right really good golfer finishes around i thought i think he fired a smooth 68 and at the end of the round, I said, well, what do you think? And I go, how many strokes do you think you've saved? And he goes, man, I think conservative there was three strokes today. And I, my mouth drops. I mean, this guy, a plus golfer, shoots a 68. I'm like, oh, you, do we give you better reads? He goes, oh, no, no, no. He goes, there were three holes that I was unsure of on the putt. And I looked at putt breaks, and I got it right, and I putted with confidence. So that word is really, you stress confidence. What doesn't matter what handicap level you're at. If you have that putt confidence, no matter what skill level you are, if you're at least putting to the correct side of the hole, you're setting yourself up for success.
1: Wow, like I'm not at that level at all. I'm still stuck at around an 18 handicap, but I do know the improvement to even get from an 18 and I've been down to around a 10 and then slip back for the lack of golf that I play these days. But to get from even an 18 to a 10 and then from a 10 down to a 2, it's not a straight line. It's not linear. If you can even get there, it's exponential. So yes, those numbers of a 1 knocking three strokes off and around there is, it's huge. That's massive.
0: He gave me goosebumps. It was really cool to hear that feedback from anybody that's that good at golf. You know how many hours they put in. And to hear that from them was fantastic. And the reality, though, at an 18 handicap, really anybody kind of like seven, eight, nine, ten 10 handicapping up. And I'm one of these people. I start playing golf late in life. I don't know how to read greens. I'm just not very good at it. I'm a really good putter. If I go out with a caddy and the caddy points to where I should hit it, man, I can score low. But I am just not very good at reading greens. And I think that is common with many of the golfers out there. And, and we're taking that piece out of the game. So i got to hit the putt. Mm-hmm. But at the very least, I'm going to tell you, hey, look, this putt is looks like it's slightly downhill and moving pretty hard to the right. Oh, great. Let's aim out to the left. And at the very least, I hit it in the gimme zone. Man, next hole. Let's go.
1: And that confidence, as you said, it starts to breed a couple of other things that golf so desperately needs. And that is satisfaction and then even more so, joy and having fun. And as we and I know I'm one of those people with golf, I've kind of got stuck, I've kind of plateaued out because I don't have a lot of time right now in my life to practice or even play more. I know that I'm not going to be able to get to that next level. So you just kind of languish a little bit and you become a bit disconnected. So being able to re-engage there with not only products and experiences that you're offering here, but others that uh, aren't competing with you, but also complement in other areas of the game. It's exciting times for golf. So I wanted to ask you this. It sounds like you appeal to pretty much everybody on the golf spectrum as far as improving... Have you found out even from the show, just from conversations, are you appealing to people that are even just starting the game, those people that, like myself, that are in the middle as far as your ability, and then also the low handicappers? Are you finding that what you're offering here does appeal to golfers across the entire spectrum? Absolutely. It's one thing when you have
0: different types of equipment. Well, some equipment is just not meant for a really high handicap or beginner. Don't pick up a set of blades if you're just taking up the game, right? You're making it very hard for yourself. There's all these different things that can help you along your journey of learning how to play golf. And and we feel like with golf logics and putt breaks if we can give you a little edge on the green and get you over that hump i mean golf is hard enough right i mean this is an evil game i mean i mean that in a great sense right if we can get you out there and help you as you mentioned, have more fun. If you can score a little bit lower because you're not as frustrated on the greens. Uh, I hear you. And we all know, like, you've got these plateaus, right? Ah, I just want to break 110, right? Boom, I just want to break 100. Well, once you start breaking 100 and you start shooting like 95s, and all of a sudden you break 90 for the first time, you're hooked. You're probably going to play this game for the rest of your life. But if you're stuck and you can't seem to break whatever plateau that is, Ah oh, man and then golf it takes too much time, expensive. I just have little kids. You know there's mm-hmm. a million excuses. But if you can help people play better and have more fun, there's a direct correlation between how many rounds they
1: play and the length of how long they play golf. Oh, 100%. We've been having those conversations, well, lately and really over the last couple of seasons on the Mud Golf podcast and that tying into growing the game. We had a great conversation last week with Dr. Michael Cooper, who is the chairman of the Diversity Task Force with the Rural Golf Foundation in Golf 2020. Very interested to hear, are you finding what you're offering? Does it appeal to women also? Are you finding them picking it up? Do you find that skewing younger with a demographic because their love of technology and especially being connected all the time? Are you finding that's opening up or unlocking other demographics that currently are not embracing the game as much as you and I do?
0: Yeah, we met with a number of LPG some of the top teaching pros were at the show that stopped by our booth and they were just blown away with what we're doing and some of their feedback like look we've got a lot of women are starting to pick up the game of golf really really cool I mean huge marketing opportunity for all of us that are in this golf space if we can grow the game and get women and and whoever else playing playing more rounds it's going to be fantastic and what they said is there's no strength involved in putting right it doesn't matter if you're a 7 year old kid or an 80 year old person out there playing putting is all equal and if you can give someone tool that doesn't take strength or skill. You just put it in front of them and it's like having a caddy talking over your shoulder going, hey, this putt, it's a little bit downhill and it's moving to the left. It really is going to benefit anybody that plays the game.
1: Oh, you're so right that putting really is the great equalizer that leveling the playing field as far as that skill. And that has been reinforced, I think, as we've talked about with the major series of putting and what they've created there with their year-long tournaments, their qualifiers culminating in Las Vegas with the stadium that they built for the first time back in late October, early November and all the events they ran there. And when we were there covering that, Pete, just reinforces what you mentioned there, that the pro tournament had Brad Faxon, one of the world's greatest putters, hosting that and also playing in that event and there were some women from the Symmetra Tour that were playing there and they were I think a couple of them actually beat him or very close very competitive and if you were on a golf course 18 holes over four rounds that certainly would not be the case at all So very exciting there as far as the opportunities, not only for them, but I can see also for you, maybe as a potential partnership or other opportunities that present themselves in the future.
0: Exactly. We want to partner with everybody out there to promote putt breaks and promote playing better golf and having less three putts. And whether we give a free lifetime membership to all PGA and LPGA members, all the teaching pros out there, we believe they're the backbone behind getting people to understand and and play golf and take lessons. And, And we feel like if we can give it out to them, lifetime for free, they're going to see the great value in what we built. And in turn, as they bring their students in, obviously, they teach them how to swing and chip and all that in and putt. And, but the single biggest way they can help their students score lower, which we all want, is to help them out on the green, is to help them know that don't putt to the right side. This is actually a, you know, a left side putt. And by the way, I know it looks downhill, but it's actually uphill. It's back up into the mountain. It's just fascinating to watch people out there and using our product.
1: Yeah, on that note, I wanted to ask you this as an insight with the user testing you did and the validation of certain assumptions that you've made made have you found also that using putt breaks shortens the length of an average round by x number of minutes i would think in my mind the fact that you've had that confidence you're able to make decisions quicker that if you've got let's say best case scenario you've got all four people in a foursome using putt breaks over 18 holes you just do the math and let's say if they're looking at that for two putts or at least the first putt i would think it would save i don't know 10 15 minutes on a round is that a fair assumption to make or have you looked into that at all as far as being able to increase the pace of a round using putt breaks
0: Certainly that's one of our goals. And, and again, it's the offseason we just launched. So I wouldn't say we have enough data to make any conclusions there. But the, the sheer fact that, and we all know those players that we have in our groups, that they are 15 handicaps and they walk that putt from every angle. They look at it from the left and from the right and from the, behind the putt. And they go back and look at it from behind the cup. And then they get up and they blow it seven feet past. And then they trip putt and you're like, oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> and to the extent that we can help with that routine yep. and to the extent that we, we can shave off some time. It's a learning curve like any new product, but once you get out there and you figure out, boy, all I got do is place the ball, place the cup, boom, go. You don't have to walk around it as much, and you don't have to understand the valley effect or the ball breaks towards the water. Our device doesn't care, or at least our data doesn't care. It's going to give you exactly what that green does on every green. So if we can shorten that routine, and then as you mentioned, Colin, if we can help you have less three putts or have a couple one putts during the round, all of a sudden you're shaving three, four, five strokes off, you're right. I mean, how much time does it take off? Hopefully, we do. Pace of play is important.
1: Absolutely, I can even just think right now. Just doing the math that if an average being on the green takes, I would think around you know ten minutes for a foursome. If you cut it half because of the time, you get the read and the confidence. And my math is correct here. It takes less time to take one putt than it does for three. <laughs> math so you're saving time there already
0: yeah what we have today is amazing but what we're already working on it's even going to be faster and i'm just going to blow everybody away and we hope to have something else that'll be an upgrade come out this year as well that'll just blow everybody's minds so we never stop we're always trying to move forward with new innovative ideas
1: well on that note i wanted to ask you here as we finish up what are the future plans or what do you tell us about 2018 what's your strategic plan here and your rollout what do you hope to accomplish over the next golf season well this is going to be
0: year for us. You know, we're going to call it a, a breakout year, and as I mentioned earlier, we had this kiosk idea that we sold at the golf course, and then we pared it down, and then we had sold this device that gave you know, distances out there, and then we pivoted, and we did this retail play, and then in mid-2008, like at the peak, I mean, we, we were doing our best year ever. The first smartphones started coming out with GPS, and the economy was starting to move, and my partner and I went back to our board, and we're like, gentlemen, I know we're having the best year ever, but I think we ought to shift out of hardware, and let's go into software and put this on a smartphone device. And so. They're like, okay, let's try it. And, of course, we were the first company to launch with a smartphone app and gotten over 4 million downloads. And so we're constantly moving since 2009 in the smartphone space. And to launch PUT Breaks, get it live this year, is an incredible feat for us. But we are already working and testing a newer version of what we've already built I don't want to talk about it yet because it's not done, and I don't know what it's ultimately going to look like. But it is even more of a game changer than we have today. It really simplifies the process of getting your putt reads and makes it more fun out there.
1: Well, I guess you have no choice but to come back on the Mod Golf podcast in the future and tell us all about that. So, <laughs> looking forward to the progressive innovations you guys are making over there at Golf Logics. Well, I'm going to go now and download the app. I haven't done that yet, so you'll have four million and one users after I do that. <laughs> so there you go. There's my bit to help the cause. As we finish up, one more question I'd like to ask my guests this. I want to hear your thoughts. You've been involved for, gosh, over 20 years now in the golf industry. I'd like to hear your thoughts of the future. What do you think 20 years from now, or even 10 years from now, not only with what you're doing, but overall as far as the future of golf, from some small little tweak to maybe some big, hairy, audacious idea? What are your thoughts on that, Pete?
0: I really think that the future is real bright for golf. and We were fortunate enough to get acquired by Immigrant Capital out of New York about three years ago, And, and Mr. Milstein heads up that group. They own a majority in Nicholas Golf, and they own Mira and TruSpec. They just, last week, they announced the acquisition of Golf.com and Golf Magazine. And Mr. Milstein is investing heavily in the golf space. I mean, he really, really believes that it's really undervalued right now and that this is indeed a great game. And it's all these little things to help people get to that learning curve a little more quickly. If you get past that start, you just get hooked, start breaking a 100, start breaking whatever that goal is for you and where you're really, truly having fun out there, there is no reason that you won't play this game until you literally can't walk anymore. And that's what I plan on doing. I'm incredibly excited about the golf future.
1: Well, that is my plan also to keep going here and play until I am no longer here. So and uh, hopefully we get a chance to play around in sunny Scottsdale sometime soon. That would be great, Pete. If you can put up with my 18 handicap. Which hopefully it'll be reduced to less once I have hybrids helping me out.
0: I'm going to shave 6 seven strokes off your game so you need to come down to Scottsdale take advantage of the 80 degree weather we'll go out we'll pee it up and then uh, we'll jump on the show again and can discuss your results
1: nice well we do plan on being down there for some other sport innovation work that we're doing in the Scottsdale area so you may be seeing us sooner than you hope for so uh, we'll keep you braced for that so before you go here Pete why don't you tell our audience here where they can learn more about golf logics and putt breaks
0: so you can go to golflogics.com. that's L-O-G-I-X.com, where you can learn a little bit more about it. There's some videos on there. You can also, if you just want to, to quickly go into the, the iTunes store or the Android store, you can see our app there. There's the app screens, the descriptions, and our app is free. So you can download everything for free, and you're able to see it. And with respect to our upgraded features like Putt Breaks, for $49.99 a year, you get access to any course anywhere that we have mapped with Putt Breaks. And we also give a seven-day free trial. So we believe in our product so much that download it for free, Go out there, you get to use it for seven days. If you like it, great, upgrade. And if you don't, no harm there. You'll still get the free Golf Logic app for life that gives you a distance to the center of the green, gives you 3D yardage book quality imagery of every hole on every course. So it's a no-brainer to go out there and give it a try.
1: Good stuff. So let me do the math in my head here. So you're going to save me seven strokes a round, and that means I'm going to enjoy it so much, I'm going to play at least 20 rounds a year. So that's 140 strokes you're saving me. So basically, it's about 20 cents a stroke. That's good ROI for me. I like that. That's a good investment in my golf game
0: i would say so and for those of us that like to wager a tad out in the golf course Mm -hmm. i think the way to play it is you don't tell your playing partners that you have this new app with puff breaks and take them a few rounds before you finally let them on and let them in on the secret and they can download it as well but i think you win your annual feedback in a matter of a couple rounds
1: agreed so yeah just don't tell your friends you have the secret sauce that you guys have created quite yet (laughs) until it's too late Good stuff. All right. Why don't we leave it at that? So Pete Charleston, president and co-founder of Golf Logics, volunteer with the Thunderbirds and the great work you're doing there and who I would certainly say is a true entrepreneur. So Pete, thanks so much for your time today for joining us on the Mod Golf podcast.
0: Hey, thank you, Colin. Love being on the show and look forward to jumping on again at some point. Perfect. Sounds great.
1: All right. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed listening to this week's episode of the mod golf podcast with golf logics, co-founder and president Pete Charleston to learn more about the golf logics app and their latest innovative feature putt breaks that empowers you to quickly read greens like a pro on your smartphone and sink more putts. Go to our episode show page at www.mod.golf for links to websites, social media feeds, images, and video content. Please join me again next week. When I speak with Sandy cross, who is the PGA of America's senior director for diversity and inclusion.
0: Diversity is being invited to the party, and inclusion is being asked to dance. Those invitations are very powerful. Being able to see others that look like you playing the game and working in the business are critical if we're going to evolve the composition of the game.
1: If you enjoyed this episode of the Mod Golf podcast, you can find more engaging stories about the future of golf on our episodes page. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Have a great week, and I look forward to you joining us again soon. Bye for now.